Praise the Lord for that. Anyway, take your Bible. Now, as I was getting ready for this, actually this morning, I mentioned the title to a few people and they said to me, who was that? Well, I want to talk today about godly Gaius. Gaius. G-A-I-U-S. Gaius. I could say Gaius, but I'm going to be saying it about 50 times today, so I'm trying to make it the easiest way. Gaius. Godly Gaius. And the subtitle of this message is, And You Can Be Too. Now you're wondering, what in the world is he talking about? Anyway, does anyone know where we are in our, in our preaching? You should know where we are. Anyone? Third John. We did first John. We did second John. And now we're doing third John. So let's go to third John. And uh, we'll see what's going on here in third John. Let me pray first. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, what a good Sunday this is already. This is a good day. Thank you for our worship time. Thank you for our time of remembrance, our time of communion. Um, now we just pray, Lord, your blessing upon the word and the preaching of your word. Let it, let it bring honor to you. Let it bring life to the church and to others. And Lord, use it for your purposes. We give you thanks and praise for it now. In Jesus' name, amen. So First uh, John... Just going to kind of quick, I mean, real quick summary. First John is about fellowshipping with God. Second John, if you remember that one part of it was about not fellowshipping with the false prophets. Don't even go there, remember? But John had a desire to see them face to face, like we talked about last week. Third John goes deeper into the concept of Christian fellowship, although he does bring some caution regarding some Christian fellowship. So this was written around 90 A.D. The author is John the Apostle, most people believe. He's probably in his 90s by now. And three people are mentioned in this epistle. That's really important. The first one is Gaius. Look at verse number one. To the beloved Gaius. Look at verse number number nine. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, that's another person, And then verse number 12, Demetrius has a good testimony. So there's three characters in this epistle that we want to look at over the next couple of weeks. Um, He concludes this this epistle in a similar way as he concluded 2 John. If you look at verse 13, he says, I I had many things to write, but I, I don't wish to write to you. Don't you love that? I got, like they said in the other epistle, I got a lot more to say, but I don't want to say it in writing. I want to see you face to face. For today, I don't want to text you. I don't want to send you an email. I want to sit down and talk to you, is what he's saying. And uh, then he says, I hope to see you shortly, verse 14, but we shall speak face to face. Peace to you. Our friends greet you and greet the friends there by name. So, Let me make a few uh, introductory remarks here. John, the elder, um, is writing to Gaius, the beloved. Now, people are saying, "Who, who is Gaius? Well, we don't know exactly, but he could very well be the same Gaius that was with Paul much earlier in life. 
In Acts 19.24, we see that, that Gaius was Paul's traveling companion on his mission trip through Ephesus. We see in Acts 20 that Gaius is from Derby, where Paul preached at, and he probably received the Lord at his home in Derby and then followed Paul in his travels. And in Romans 16, we see that uh, Gaius is Paul's host when Paul was living in Corinth, addressing the saints in Rome. Here in 3 John, many years later, we see Gaius is now affiliated with John, probably because Paul was in glory or in prison. But in any case, Gaius is presented well in this passage. Let me read the first four verses. We're going to focus on those four verses today. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. So in verse number one, he's presented as beloved. Verse number two, he's presented as one whose soul is prospering. Verse number three and four, he's presented as someone whose life is worthy of a testimony. People are talking positively about him. And this brings a question in my heart and in my spirit. And the question is, is our witness important? Um, is, is what people think about us an issue? Should we care? And this raises the question of reputation. If you, if you think of it, Gaius here is presented really well. Verses 5 through 8, really well. Everything about him is positive. Verse number 9, Theotrephes, let me just read a little bit. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. How many of you know that means trouble right there? He says, if I come, I'll call to mind his deeds, which he does, pratting against us with malicious words, etc., etc. So, so Diotrephes doesn't have a good testimony. And Paul's going to call him out when he gets there. I mean, John's going to call him out when he gets there. Verse number 12, Demetrius has a good testimony. Now, some people think that what I'm talking about here is, is not spiritual and not godly. Like, who cares what people think? Just care what God thinks. How many of you have heard that? Don't care what anybody... Well, in on some cases, yeah, but on other cases, I think we should be concerned. I found this out firsthand many years ago when I was applying for my ordination with the Southern New England Ministries Network, and some of you are familiar with and I was, wanted to get ordained. And so they, I had to do all the, you know, all the studies, all the Bible classes. But then it got into my personal life. And they wanted references for me. You know, they wanted me to, to list people that they could contact or could write something about me and send it in. But the interesting thing was, they wanted people in the church as well as people outside of the church. They didn't really say it, but they insinuated they wanted people that were Christians and people that were not Christians that could vouch for your moral character and your, you know, your, 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 your witness and your lifestyle. And so I was fortunate enough, I was, uh, I was a police chaplain at the time, and I asked the police chief if he would write a, a reference for me. But I really, and apparently he wrote a good one. 
But it, it dawned on me then that our testimony on the outside is really, really very important. In fact, a couple of scriptures, and and I know I refer to this passage a lot because there's a lot in here. But in Acts chapter 6, when the Hellenist ladies were complaining about the distribution, they weren't getting their share. And they were grumbling and and John and the rest said, listen, uh, choose. We don't want to. We can't get involved in that. But choose seven men. The first requirement was that they have a good reputation. The second one was that they were full of the Holy Spirit. The third was that they had wisdom. But get people that, are, that, are, that have a great reputation on the outside so that they could minister effectively to this problem. In, uh, in 1 Timothy 3, we have the requirements for leadership, a bishop, a pastor, or any church leader, really. And, and Paul says, make sure they're blameless, temperate, sober-minded, and good, having good behavior and other things. But at the end of that, he says, make sure they have a good testimony among those on the outside, lest he fall into reproach or into the snare of the devil. So what people think, whether we want to agree with it or not, is the biblical issue we need to be aware of and need to deal with. So Gaius, in verses 1 through 4, is presented as godly. Now in my Bible, I have, uh, I have the sections kind of broken down. And this is called the godliness of Gaius. Verses 5 through, through 8 are called the generosity of Gaius. Verses 9 through 11 is called the pride of Theotrephes. And verse 12 is labeled praise for Demetrius. So he's presented really well uh, in this passage. And I want to talk about that today. So let's go through this uh, verse by verse. And then as we usually do, we'll make application before we close out today. So uh, verse number one. John, the aged, the mature, the proven, the respected, the elder... Writing to the beloved Gaius. Now, some of your translations, if you have NIV, it says friend, friend Gaius. But uh, the word beloved kind of captures a deeper uh, relationship, an emotional relationship with this person. Dearly loved, dear to the heart. He says, uh, to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, I love you. I have agape for you. The unconditional, sacrificial, never-ending love of God coming through people. And I love you in truth. This is the same way that John addressed in Second John, the elect lady and her children, uh, whom I love in truth. And like I said earlier, or last time, in truth, meaning I love you in the gospel. I love you in God. I love you uh, knowing who and what uh, we are. I know you uh, who and what he, the Lord is. I know you who we would be without him. And I know you and love you knowing that who we are in Christ Jesus. So when a Christian says, I love you to another brother or sister, that's a whole different connotation than just love. It's like, I'm with you. I understand your, your walk. I understand your journey. I understand your battle. I understand the struggle. Lately, I've been using the phrase, the battle is real. Because we're in a battle. But we have, we have people of like faith that understand where we're coming from. They're sweet fellowship. And this is what John is talking about. To the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. I love you in the gospel. Meaning, we should love one another in the gospel. We talked about this last week a little bit. Now, verse number two, 
I think is probably one of the most misunderstood scriptures going around. It's not a scripture that supports the uh, prosperity message, although people use it for that. But when you look at it in the context, we'll see it really doesn't mean that like that. But it says in verse number two, calling Gaius again beloved. He says in verse one, verse two, verse five, and verse, uh, verse 11, calling him beloved or friend or godly friend or a close Christian friend. But he says, I pray that you would prosper in all things. So this needs to be addressed just a little bit. In, in my study Bible, the full life study Bible, the word prosper means to have a good journey. I pray that you would have a good journey in all things, including your health. I pray that you would have a good journey as your soul is having a good journey. So the normal position of the Christian person is to seek and desire God's blessing. I mean, don't you pray for God's blessing? I pray for God's blessing every day. I want his anointing. I want his provision. I want his touch. I want his, I want his favor. I want all of that. I want to prosper in that way. It's common. It's normal. It's expected from us to seek God's best, to be well, to do well, to become overcomers, to thrive physically. Oh, how many times do we pray for good health? To become, uh, to be, be mentally, spiritually clear in our thinking and in our life. Yet, to be honest, many Christians are not prospering like that. I mean, some of the people we just talked about that are deceased, some were young. And you think, what happened? Well, you know, there were different things were going on. But John 10.10 is very real. The thief has come to kill, destroy, to wipe out. But Jesus has come to give life and give it abundantly. Now, now remember this. In the context of John writing this, he's, he's saying to guys, I'm praying that your journey in life will go well. But, you know, John's brother was martyred already in Acts chapter 12. Peter was already thrown in and out of jail. Paul is probably deceased by now. The, the persecutions are already starting under the Roman government. Things are happening. So he's saying it like it's, it's natural to pray that for people. I mean, I don't think anybody here would want a pastor that doesn't pray this way for you. Oh, Lord, let them be, uh, let them have trouble. <laughs> Oh, Lord, uh, wipe them out, whatever. You know what I mean? No, you want someone, I, I'll tell you, I say it all the time. If I'm sick, I want someone who's going to pray in faith for me. I want them to have confidence. Lord God, heal them. Let them prosper. Let his body recover and all those good things. I mean, that's the normal position of a Christian person. So I, I don't believe we can use that to support the American gospel. John is praying for Gaius. And note, lest we overlook the main thing, he's praying for him. So what does that mean? When people tell me they're praying for me, man, you better believe I, I cherish that. We need to be praying for one another. And not just in times of trouble. Don't wait for that. Just pray for one another. You know, let someone's, as someone's face or life comes before your your mind, just lift them up before the Lord. 
I can't tell you so many times it's happened both ways for me. I'll be praying for someone and someone would say to me later, were you praying for me? And yeah, I was. But, but the, the opposite happened too. When I'm, I'm going through something and someone says, I was praying for you at that time. I said, I could feel your prayers praying for me at that time. There's something about that. I don't want to overlook the simple fact that John was praying for Gaius. And we should pray for one another. And pray that we would do well. Pray that we would prosper. I wouldn't pray for a million dollars next week. Just pray that we would prosper. I'll be happy if God blesses. If I'm in God's will and I've got God's blessing, I am happy. If he wants to bless me with a million dollars, well, that's another story. But, you know, probably not. But anyway, you know, just pray God's blessing upon people and upon our health. And many Christians are struggling with their health. We need to pray for people that are struggling with their health. Jason, I want to pray for you later, by the way, too. So, uh, so okay, now. Uh, he, praying that he would be well in his journey, that his journey would go well. His health would be good. As his soul and spiritual well-being is going well, let other aspects of his life go well also. Now, verse number two. Beloved Gaius, what John is saying is, I'm with you. I'm praying for you. I'm in your corner. That you'll prosper in your spiritual journey. Maybe, perhaps, Gaius, just think, maybe Gaius was having a health problem. Maybe he wasn't prospering. Maybe he was in dire straits. And John's saying, I'm praying that you're going to prosper. That you'll get out of the condition you're in. That's a great prayer. I want people to pray that for me sometimes. Just prosper. Let me do well in my spiritual journey as your soul prospers. Now, verse number three really substantiates verse number two when you think about it. Verse number three says, I rejoice greatly when I heard you got a brand new car. I don't think so. I rejoice greatly when you had got that million dollars in the, in the mail. No, I don't think so. It's nothing material he's rejoicing about. I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that's in you. Just as you walk in the truth. Wow. I'm rejoicing over the fact that other people are testifying about your spiritual life. The truth is in you. And you're walking in the truth. Like in 2 John, walk in truth and walk in love. His journey is going well. He's rejoicing in in Gaius' spiritual life. He's growing. He's, 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 He's pursuing God. He's not following the false doctrines of the Gnostics or whatever. He's just running after God. And John is rejoicing over that. Can we follow that example when somebody's doing well? Can we get behind them and say, man, you're doing great. Hallelujah. Praise God for what you're doing. Instead of being weird or jealous or upset or whatever, when someone's going on with God, be happy. Rejoice with them. Scripture says, uh, rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. But, but enter into a relationship where you can rejoice when someone is prospering spiritually and or in other ways as well. That's okay too. I think verse number four substantiates verse number three. John says, I have no greater joy. Uh, he's saying, I, I don't, it doesn't matter 
where you're living or how you're, you know, what, what uh, socioeconomic status you're in, even what kind of health you have. I, I, I rejoice the most when I hear that my children, the people that I minister to, are walking well with God. Now think about it. Because some of those that are walking well with God, they may be having health problems. And they may be getting ready to be uh, persecuted or whatever. They may have some problem. They may be out of work and have no money. But John is rejoicing because in spite of all of that, they're serving God. That, this is a true gospel right here. It's so clear in my spirit what John is saying. I'm rejoicing because you're doing well with God. Yeah, I know you got problems. We all, what's, what's my famous line? Welcome to the club. We all got problems. You know, we all... <laughs> so, accept it. <laughs> Pray about it. Support each other. Love each other through the problems and the issues. See, this, this puts relationship with God way up on top of everything else in life. John is praying for him, rejoicing for him. He's happy, has no greater joy than knowing one of his children are, minute, are, are you know, running after the truth, walking in the truth. And again, that phrase, walking in the truth, my children walk in truth, meaning, I'll reiterate it again, we're all sinners saved by grace. Jesus is the only means of salvation. The word of God is the only divine revelation from God's heart to the world. The Holy Spirit is still our comforter, our convictor, and our guide. The truth of the matter is, Jesus is coming back again. And like Paul said, what's, what's my joy? What's my greatest joy? Having you ready at the appearing of the Lord. And so as a leader, as a pastor, I feel the same way. My joy is knowing that the church is doing well, running after God. Share, share with me your burden. We take it all to the cross. We pray for people. But no one is better than anybody else because they don't have problems right now. In fact, there are some that have issues that are closer to God than some that don't have issues. Because sometimes when we don't have issues, we get lax. When we have issues, if we're smart, we're running to God. We're running to God. So... He's praying for Gaius to prosper, not according to the world standards, not according to how much money you have in the bank, how many homes you own, uh, what kind of car you drive, etc., etc. The question is, in verse number two, is your soul prospering? And as our soul prospers, what John is saying, I'm praying that the rest of your life will, will meet where your spiritual life is. As your spiritual life, you're going forward, you're good. I'm praying that your health will be good. I'm praying that your money will be good. I'm praying that your relationships will be good. That it'll all match up to where your spiritual life is. And don't you think God wants that? Absolutely God wants that. So it's all kind of connected together. All right, so now this is where it gets to be fun. <laughs> Godly Gaius, and you can be too. Three traits of Gaius that we can develop so we can be referred to as godly. Do you want to be referred to as godly? I mean, it's a great word. 
versus worldly or selfish or whatever? Do you want to be known as a godly person? I mean, Gaius is known as a godly person. It's in my Bible, the godliness of Gaius, the generosity of Gaius. There's not one negative thing about Gaius. Paul's helper, a host, and all those other things. Traveling companion, faithful. If you look at a, at a timeline, uh, what, Romans and, and, uh, and Corinthians and Acts, they were written way earlier than Third John was. So there's probably 20, 30 years in between. Gaius is still serving the Lord. Still hungry for God. Now he's John's friend. I think there's something to be said about that. Where will you be in 20 or 30 years if Jesus doesn't come back? You're still living and doing your thing. Will we find you in church serving God? I hope so. I hope so. Well, let me three things to think about. And thank you, Roseanne and James, for at the last minute putting this together so everyone could see what I'm talking about. <laughs> in, in, in verse number one, uh, the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. If we want to uh, see, he, he's, he's referred to as beloved or, or godly friend. My point is, what can we do to develop that adjective before our name? Like when people think of you and I, do they think of us as beloved and godly and friendly and all those positive things? So we see beloved, I mentioned earlier, verse 1, verse 2, verse 5, verse 11. Um, what, what, what was it about uh, Gaius that prompted John to call him beloved. And I would say this, number one is, develop a loving attitude and a cheerful disposition. Everyone loves people with a loving attitude and a cheerful disposition. You know? Um, I think if we could develop this, uh, we, could, we could begin to develop the phrase, uh, beloved brother or sister so-and-so. I don't think the adjective will come without some attempt on our part to live a godly life. Here's a couple of suggestions. I said it last week, Colossians 2, 6. Walk in truth, walk in love. Colossians 2, 6 says, as you have received Christ, so walk in him. I thought about, I've been thinking about that all week. How did I receive, family, you remember when we received Christ. I was... Hungry for God, fed up with the world, discouraged with my life, excited about Jesus. That's how I received Jesus. So as I received him, the scripture says, Colossians 2, 6, so walk in him. 10 years later, yeah. 20 years later, yeah. 30, yeah. 40, yeah. 50, whatever. Walk with him as you received him until the very end. Let me give you some uh, illustrations how we could do that. Um, can we learn how to compliment others, not criticize others? Find something good to say. I, I had a situation uh, last a couple of weeks ago. I was at a pastor's meeting. And, you know, pastors always talk and share things and devotionals and whatnot. And so a young pastor was sharing something. And I didn't think anything of it other than I said, man, that was a really good word. That ministered to me. Thank you for sharing that. I wasn't trying to compliment him. I was just saying, you blessed me. Well, two weeks later, that word came around to me that I blessed him so much by complimenting him because I'm the senior guy on the, on the ticket now. 
So for me to say it, it means something. I didn't think of it in that way. But it, it, it was positive. He blessed me, and I guess I blessed him back. I didn't even know it. But it's so much better than being critical. There's still too much criticisms in the world today. I would say, try not to complain. <laughs> Nobody likes a complainer. We could never be a godly person like Gaius if we were a complaining person. Rather, rather we should learn to compliment each other. As, as uh, some old movie, I can't think of it right now, when uh, Pollyanna says, think of something good. You know, there's something good you can say. Think of something good. You may have five things against this person, but I've got, there's one thing you can say positive. Be positive. Compliment. Uh, here's another thing. Be creative, not rigid. You know, when we're rigid people, we are not open to change. We're not open to anything new. We're, we're, we're like, uh, rigidity is for the deceased, by the way. <laughs> Life is for the, I mean, c- creativity is for the living. Right? Well, I want to be rigid. I want to be open to new things and, and, and be able to experience new things that I haven't yet done. I would say we need to display kindness and not hardness. As the saying goes, if your heart is happy, let your heart catch up to your face so that your face will be happy or something like that. (laughs) I heard it takes way many more muscles to frown than it does to smile. Be kind. Be gracious. Be merciful. Try to be happy. (laughs) And walk humbly before God. Walk humbly before others. Make it a lifestyle. You know, my father had a saying in our family when I was growing up. It was usually directed at me. Sometimes my brothers, but usually me. The saying was, get that chip off your shoulder. And I would say, what do you mean? He'd say, that's what I mean. Get that chip off your shoulder. You've got to get humble, you know. got to get humble. Uh, so, so John says, my, my beloved Gaius... You know who's beloved in, in my mind? Our brother Stan Chris was a beloved brother. I, I would say that before he went to glory, by the way. I, he was beloved. Sheldon Hunt, oh my goodness. I would say he's beloved. Willis, forget about it. <laughs> Definitely. Gary Feldman. Gary always made me smile. His humor, his life, everything. He was just... I would say cultivate a loving attitude and a cheerful disposition so that you too can be referred to as beloved, whatever your name is. Are you with me? Here's number two. On verse number two. (laughs) I think we, we covered verse number two pretty well. Don't you think we covered that pretty well? It's not about prosperity like that. It's about, you know, just taking care of yourself and Letting God bless you and take care of you. But anyway, make sure that your soul is prospering. You'll never be referred to as beloved so-and-so if your own soul isn't prospering. You've you got to take care of your life, your spiritual life. You can't expect everything to be great when you put no effort into it. And, and like I said, the Full Life Study Bible says, uh, make sure your soul is prospering. Make sure you're having a good journey in this spiritual life. Doesn't that sound better than prospering? Because prospering gives a connotation like it's money. It's not. Make sure your soul is 
is, 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 uh, your, your, your journey is going well. And when your journey is going well, guess what? Your soul is blessed. And you could see it on people's faces anyway. You can tell when someone's bogged down with life and concern and anxiety and worry and everything else. You could also see when someone has peace. Make sure your soul is prospering, that your journey is going well. Make sure your spiritual life is alive, growing, radiant, and contagious. Philippians 4.8 is a tremendous verse. There's so much wisdom in this one verse, it's not even funny. But Paul says to the church of Philippi, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report, whatever is virtuous or praiseworthy, meditate, ponder, think on these things. So, so to paraphrase that, get off of social media for a break. Stop gossiping and having arguments and everyone has an opinion. It drives everybody crazy. No one's willing to give. Don't be a slave to the news and media culture. Develop a prayer life. Hello? John, I'm praying for you, Gaius. Yeah. Develop a prayer life. Develop a worship life. Develop a Bible study life. You know, make it part of your existence. Get involved at the church. Uh, establish disciplines. Develop your soul and your spirit person. Make sure your soul is prospering. I, I know I'm going to sound like Joel Osteen right here, but <laughs> develop a good positive mental attitude. It's not bad. Thank you, Joel. <laughs> but see, mental health and spiritual health many times are very closely connected. Here, here, here's my paraphrase of that. Garbage in, garbage out. Life in, life out. Good things in, good things come out. Gaius' soul was prospering. That verse number two, man, I, I pray that your, your life will prosper, your health will prosper as your soul is prospering. Hallelujah. Let's make it our, our, our goal to allow our soul to prosper. It's going to take some work. It's going to take eliminating some things and adding other things. Now, let me just put in a plug. Last Sunday of June, 6 o'clock, we're having a worship night. I said it. I don't know who's going to come. We, we talked about it. We don't know. doesn't matter. But if you want your soul to prosper, you will make time at some point to worship God. And if your church is doing something, get involved with what the church is doing. The things that we're doing are not just to do them. They're to help us get through to the other side, like all of our brothers and sisters we mentioned earlier. They graduated, but they were part of the church. This was a part of their journey. So, okay, so number one is cultivate a loving attitude and cheerful disposition. Make sure your soul is prospering. Think about Gaius just a little bit here. Gaius kept good company. He was hanging out with Paul, for goodness sake. Now he's hanging out with John. Good company, guess what? Helps your soul to prosper. Versus bad company helps your soul to die. So who you hang out with, who you associate with is very important. Gaius was a giving soul. He opened up his home for Paul, probably others, to live in in their travels. Be a generous person. 
When you're a generous person, your soul prospers. He's obviously a friend of John with a close relationship. Even in his old age, he had godly friends. His soul was prospering. So let me give you the third one. Number three is this. Let your life testify that God is good. Verses three and four. So John is saying, I'm, I'm, I rejoice over you, Gaius. Not that you have this or that. I'm rejoicing because people are talking about your testimony. They're testifying that your life is good. We need to be aware of the fact that our life should be a testimony that God is good. Walk in truth. Walk in love. What do others say about us? What do others say about you? For Gaius, his light was shining. His hope was obvious. Truth was evident. Love was pouring out. He represented a changed life. And one of the earlier scriptures I ever memorized, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and I've never gotten too far away from it. After all these years, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm talking 40 years down the road. That verse is still ministering to my heart. And, and well, it should. But if we are a changed person, that, goes on, that passage goes on to say, as a changed person living in Christ, you're now in Christ, whether you know it or not, you have become an ambassador for Christ. Although God were pleading through you to other people, be reconciled to God through Jesus. So now we have a mission in life to let our light shine for others. It could begin in the church. We talked about that. It could begin at your workplace or your school place. It could begin in your family to let your light shine. Our testimony should declare our newness. I like to say it this way. I'm not who I was before, but I'm becoming whom I'm designed to be. I'm still on the road of Repair and renewal in my, in my life. I'm not who I was. I'm getting to be closer to who I'm supposed to be. And one day when I graduate to glory, I'll arrive. But between now and then, we're on a journey. Not who I was. We're not who we used to be. We're, we're developing into the person God wanted, wants us to be. We used to sing this all the time. I need to bring it back to the worship team. Philippians 1.6. He who began a good work. Oh, come on. See, that one line, that will cast out any any discouragement or fear or uncertainty. He who began a good work. Do you remember when God first moved on your life? Do you remember that day, that season of your life, when you knew God was dealing with you? You knew God was, was, was in, in your face, say. You knew that you knew you couldn't move until you reconciled with God. You didn't know anything about, like me, I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know much about anything Christian, really. I mean, I knew, I knew Catholic things. All I knew is that God was real to me. And he who began a good work in me that day down in North Carolina, I'll never forget that season of my life. He who began the work, he's not like us. You know, we could begin something and forget about it. 
I, I this funny story. My old pastor told this story how he and a, a friend, another, another guy in the church, uh, went on the third floor of this guy's apartment building and set up a beautiful gymnasium with an exercise thing, a treadmill, and it was beautiful. And I said, well, how's it going? He said, since we set it up, we haven't been there one time. They forgot about it. But God never forgets. He who started the work is faithful to complete the work. So, and then it concludes by saying, until, the, until that day. In other words, until Jesus comes back. I love that scripture. I love 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Philippians 1, 6. A new creation, and God's not done yet. When we get to the other side, what are we going to hear? Hopefully, come on in. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. So make sure your life is a testimony that God is good. You know what that means? We can't be complaining to everybody. Oh, I got this problem. Where, where's your God? Oh, I don't know. No, 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 no. You know, Pamela and I just visited my mom down in New York this past week. We've tried to visit every five or six weeks. And we have purposed in our hearts to always be positive. It could be easy to go, in, go down a certain road. No, no. Everyone knows we're Christians. We, we are positive because we know that our God is able. Our God is able. Let your life be a, test, a testimony that God is good. I would say, you know what? Take care of the basic things first, like clean up your speech, get high on life, not on artificial things or plants. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> clean out your mind from the gutter. Get holy thoughts. Begin to respect people. Respect marriage, respect morality, respect God, and you know what? Respect yourself. Let your life be a testimony that God is good. So, in conclusion, godly guy, now you know who Gaius is. Godly Gaius, and you can be too. Cultivate a loving attitude and a cheerful disposition. Make sure your soul is prospering. And let your life testify that God is good. Can we stand together? I want to read verse number three. And kind of let this be our theme this week. If we're rejoicing over anything, let's rejoice that we're all serving Jesus. Amen? Verse number three says, I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. Let's say it together. Is it up there? I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. One more time. I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. Amen. Praise God. Now, if you get healed, I'll rejoice. If you get the check in the mail, I'll I'll rejoice. But if none of that happens, we'll rejoice anyway. Because the bigger blessing is you and I are right with God. And that's where it's at. Amen. Okay, every head bowed for just a moment. Every head bowed. I just want to give somebody an opportunity. Maybe somebody at home. 
that has not yet made that commitment. It does take a commitment. It's like a marriage. We say yes, and the Lord says yes, and we have a bond together. But I wonder if there's somebody here today, maybe somebody at home, that needs to begin this relationship, that you could begin to have a godly life. It starts with a relationship with Jesus. Is there anyone like that that needs to begin? Anyone like that? Maybe somebody at home? How about is there somebody that feels like, you know what, I've been down that road and I've, I've, I've blown it. I've, I've, I don't know what I'm going to do. Can I tell you what you should do? Start all over again. And most of us have been there. You start all over again. God's not done with you yet. I wonder if anyone needs to start all over. I wonder if anybody here has people in your life and your testimony to your family or other people maybe hasn't been the greatest. And you want to try to do better in that. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm just going to pray for that. So I'm going to pray. If anyone needs uh, prayer at the end, I'll be available. Father, Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this day in your house. This is a good day, Lord. Uh, Thank you, Lord, for the example of godly Gaius. Help us to be godly. Help us to have a testimony that other people would recognize, oh, God must be in their lives. Let our joy show on our face and in our words, in our attitudes. Um, Let our soul be prospering. Let our Christian journey be going well, Lord. That means, Lord, we need wisdom. We need guidance. We need your Holy Spirit to show us which way to go and how to deal with the obstacles that come our way. Let our life be a testimony. Lord, if anyone needs to come back to you, we pray for just Holy Ghost conviction, Holy Ghost guidance to make that happen. If somebody here, maybe somebody at home, wants to be a better witness to their loved ones or their family or their co-workers, we pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that our light would shine and that people would know we serve a living, true God and he's a good God. And other people would be attracted to the God that we serve because of our life and our lifestyle. So, Lord, thank you for this. I pray your blessing over the church, over those on the live stream. Let us have a good day. And, Lord, let us have a good prayer meeting tonight on the live stream. We give you all thanks and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, maybe we could sing. Can we sing one more? Philippians 1.6. You want to sing that one? You want to come up here and sing? Oh, no, okay. <clears throat> Do you know it, Dave? Do you know it in the key of G? Oh, man. That's another blessing. <laughs> I hope you know it the way I know it. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> okay, here we go. He
said, amen and amen. Well, God bless you. Go in victory. Go in peace. Go in the joy of the Lord. Amen and amen.